0: Oh. Welcome one and welcome all. We are live on BerryFlow Upstream number 105. We're going to be covering BlackBerry's Q1 2017, just for some delineation. This is BlackBerry's first quarter in their fiscal 2017 year. So yes, we know it's 2016 right now. We're actually going to be covering the fiscal year that's just started for BlackBerry. It's just pretty cool. It's just uh, we've got some earnings that were just reported on, which is pretty interesting from BlackBerry. But I want to introduce our cast to get started. We've got Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc. How you doing, Alex? Pretty good. Busy,
1: busy, busy week, and um, I'm going to Boston next weekend. So looking forward to that. First time ever, so that'll oh, be interesting. I,
0: so where? You gonna, you gonna oh, lose, am I going be- to Google?
1: Aren't we? Well. There's that. I, I, in my mind, it went to, oh shoot, am I gonna be here next week for, for Upstream? You're thinking I'm going to Google. Hey, I'll go to Google. Um,
0: but the, be- the beauty is you can dial in on your priv, So wherever you are, yeah. you know, going to in the, the bathroom, bathroom or whatever, you know, you, we, <laughs> you you'll find your way on. <laughs> we also got Brandon Orr. How you hanging in there, bud?
2: What's up, guys? Same old, same old. Nothing, nothing big for me this week.
0: What kind of poster we got rocking in the back there?
2: It's uh,
0: it's made out
2: of wood, basically just a wood picture of uh, Toronto.
3: Nice, nice. Or the 6th. And, and, Blade, how are you hanging in there, man? I'd say I'm chilling, but that's a lie because it's 105 degrees, <laughs> but, you know... I'm I'm still alive. I got air conditioning, unlike Alex who's suffering that 96 degree weather with no air conditioning. <laughs> I can't uh-huh. imagine one anything over a hundred. Like
1: we don't get that very often here in Buffalo. I can't imagine like 110 though. Dude,
3: at nine o'clock last night it was 110 because we took we took um we took the kids swimming and everything like that. They had like yeah, a nighttime God. swimming session at uh, one of the community centers. And it got over at uh, 9 o'clock, right? So, obviously, the sun was down at that point in time, and it was still 110 degrees out. At 9 o'clock at night, no sun in the sky, just the pavement and all of the buildings. You could just feel the heat resonating. That's so crazy. Dude, 105? Like, go to bed, son. (laughs) (laughs) You need to
0: stop. (laughs) So, uh, I want to kind of, like, roll through our topic list, guys. There's actually a lot to talk about. And it's interesting because it's one of those offbeat weeks where this is like those four times of the year where there's actually like news reported, you know, BlackBerry's out there, you know, doing press and things like that. Let's start with this pop-up store in New York. I thought that was pretty interesting, especially as we kind of head towards September, and John Chen kind of saying whether we're going left or right with the handset business. Do you guys think that this kind of initiative, you know, a kiosk pop-up store in a, in a shopping center area of New York is something wise for them to do, you know, a lot of foot traffic, get your brand out there, allow people to get the Shop Blackberry-type prices uh, direct to users I'm gonna put that customer education out there. One of the main perks from buying from this type of store is that, you know, you're going to get bundled accessories for free, you know, w- with your initial purchase, which I thought was pretty cool. But aside from that, it's it's Shop Blackberry on wheels, so to speak, right? What do you guys think in terms of a pop-up kiosk store in, in key cities like New York? Is that a, is that a wise kind of go-to-market strategy? You know, low overhead, but you still get the uh, kind
3: of the direct touch with your customers that you want. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's unwise. I mean, it's probably something yeah. that they should have. Well, really, they have done in the past, but uh, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where it, it's definitely to their benefit to go ahead and have those things there and give people a forward-facing, uh, you know, spot to be able to go ahead and pick up these devices and you know, have representatives be able to handle the uh, the questions appropriately and pick up accessories or anything like that. It's it's one of those things where, you know, you kinda can't really go wrong, but in the long run, you know, on, on John Chen's side I guess you have to have to look at it like is it really profitable? Like how much how much money is he putting out to be able to go ahead and have that little kiosk space within that area, right? Because that that apparently is that particular area is like Not exactly, it doesn't necessarily have a ton of foot traffic, but the people that do visit that that particular area are of higher income, right? So, you know, does does it really balance on the checkbooks or does that even matter, right?
0: You know, when we look at BlackBerry's overall earnings, I think, I think anything at this point is is going to help. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's like selling half a million phones a quarter. You know, five hundred thousand down, one hundred thousand from the quarter before. A simple kiosk that can push, you know, a thousand phones a quarter is still something. You know, I, I I as Blaze are kind of interested to see what the real breakdown is for things like that. I think from a perception standpoint, it is good to at least have your brand out there. Show, yeah, we're not in the gutter. We're still doing new things, and here are four phones from us that you can buy. So, regardless of whether it's really you know moving and making them a lot of money, I think it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, Alex, is this something you would actually go visit yourself? You know, a store like this, if there was one, you know, maybe in a locality near you, uh, you know, maybe. Because I know you're in Buffalo right now, like heading to the city, Alex, is is that something you may actually do, like go visit a store like this? Um, Probably not just to visit a BlackBerry
1: store, but um, if I did go to New York City, I'd definitely want to check it out, I think. But going out of this, my it, way, it, it's it's like a seven, seven, eight hour
0: drive just to check out a BlackBerry store, you know. That much. Yeah, you'll you'll go for a, an event in Canada, but yeah. you won't go down to the actual city, the state you actually live. Okay,
3: that dude,
1: Canada is two hours away. New York City is seven. Like it's a little bit different,
0: but you know,
3: <laughs> whatever, Alex. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I
0: forgot Alex is actually Canadian. All his all his Tinder yeah. hookups are in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Brandon, what about you? pop-up store, kiosk? Would you like to see one maybe in Toronto? I mean, New York, Toronto, maybe all the big cities should have at least one. Is that a, is that uh, a good idea or not really? I don't know, man. They like,
2: To be honest, they really at the moment, in terms of a pop, pop-up store, like what are they selling? There's only two things that they're selling, which is the Priv and the Passport. And I guess they, they have some of their older devices too, but... I mean, I, me personally, from my point of view, I think a lot of people already know that the priv exists. They already know about the passport by this point. Uh, The the situation might be different in New York and in the states, but over here, I don't see the point. And on top of that, okay, so people know about the devices now, but then when they see the price tag, it's still it's still going to be the same issue. Uh, One thing is getting the word out there, but the other side of it is having a product at a good price so that people. Uh, can afford to buy it, or or they feel like it's something that they're willing to spend the money on. And and right now, yeah, I just I don't totally agree. I don't think that price connects, regardless of whether they put a pop up shop and,
0: and and notify people that it exists. If I walk by and and a shop is intriguing to me, and I go and I look, I'm not just gonna walk by and spend five hundred bucks. You know, it's just. It's not in my DNA, and probably not in many consumers' DNA to just drop that kind of money. Especially because, you know, for us, a lot of us, you know, we're going to go to YouTube, we're going to go to maybe a carrier store, and we're going to try to get educated about the device before we make a serious purchase like that. So for a random person to walk by one of these kiosks, actually go and say, you know, let's check out these I haven't seen any of those in a while, and then commit to spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars, I totally agree it maybe won't have the kind of effects that we want, especially in a place like Toronto where the brand is a little bit more prominent as opposed to what we have here in the States. I like the effort, and I think that's something that I think we gotta commend across the board, right? BlackBerry's at least trying, and that's more that we could say than they've done maybe in the past couple of years, right? They are doing a little bit of marketing. They're going out sponsoring events. They're putting up pop-up stores. So I think the intention is good. We'll see how the execution comes through on these earnings calls. Uh, Blaze if you want to take us through a little bit of these earnings, I know we don't want to get really into like the nitty gritty. What <laughs> stood out for you on this Q1 fiscal results, and maybe we'll kind of go across the board and talk a, a little bit about what, some of the things we saw. Maybe what's changed. I, mean, I know we had the AGM or that special annual meeting beforehand, and I, I know I listened to a portion of it, and it got rather heated while they were trying to kind of yeah. get rolling with the actual call. Uh, how, how did it go on your end, You know, hearing, doing the live blog, did you pick up on anything?
3: Oh, I mean, the live blog was—it was everything that was said was interesting in terms of basically the future of BlackBerry and how they're laying things out. I mean, um, one thing that really took a lot of interest for me was the the mobility solutions portion of everything because John Chen basically lumped all of the device sales and and you know the possibility of license licensing BlackBerry 10 stuff and put it together. Um, in the long run, maybe that that does look better on paper. Uh, I don't necessarily know, but you know, it, it's one of those things that we're going to find out how it turns out in the long run because there's no way that it, it can really be hidden um, except for the fact that you know, BlackBerry went ahead and they changed everything about how they're going to do their reporting, which they switched over to segmented reporting, which is also another interesting thing that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit deeper anyway. Um, the other thing that stood out is basically like his comments on BlackBerry just basically being a design house now for devices, I think that probably came as a little bit of a shock to people. I don't necessarily know why it would be so shocking, because, you know, they've essentially been that for quite a little while anyways, because everybody knows that Foxconn and Wishtron builds the devices. BlackBerry just simply designs them. Um, but, you know, putting it out there, making a statement about that, that was... You know, something that, that came off as really interesting because it seemed like a little bit of a separation from from the, the hardware business that he was trying to relay to people. Like don't worry about the numbers because basically we, we've signed on new partners, we're no longer going to have, you know, the inventory concerns that we had previously, we don't have to deal with any of that stuff, um, you know, that, that sort of thing was really interesting. Uh, what else? Uh, there was something else that I was thinking of that just totally slipped my mind about it. Of course, we could talk about BlackBerry 10.3.3 not being out, but at this point, I don't think anybody wants to hear about yeah, that. There
0: was, there, was a, there was a small little update on that, right? That basically... It's not just like a a lot of these these devices that get NIAP certified are like a a standoff, like a one device kind of knockoff here, Mm -hmm. whereas they're literally trying to bring the whole entire BlackBerry 10 line into compliance with at the OS level, regardless of device. So it's literally vetting every single BlackBerry 10 device, every single operating system that 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 device is going to be running in that OS. So it's going to take a little while, right? As soon as it gets approved, it'll then be rolling out to us subsequently. You know, Blaze, to kind of come off of what you were just saying, I'm looking at the numbers here. BlackBerry had approximately 3.3 thousand enterprise customer wins in the quarter, and about 74% of their first quarter software revenue was recurring. So it really seems like there's kind of an offset happening between BlackBerry's service access fees falling by 25% and the mobility solutions and the software piece rising, kind of at the same portion of decline. So almost like where they're losing their kind of quote unquote you know service access fees and revenue, they're actually starting to make up for that with some of their you know in- inorganic inorganic growth. So if you look at Blackberry's inorganic you know the things that they've gotten from their M&A strategy with their acquisitions they're now building and growing the company and business on the software side faster than the market market's coming in at around 20% growth per quarter and BlackBerry's coming in around 30 if you take out those acquisitions you know the good acquisition ad hoc, etc. BlackBerry is actually a little bit underperforming on their organic sof- software growth, which is coming in at 15%, a little bit below the 20% market growth rate. Either way, they're doing everything they can to kind of stem some of those uh, those areas of growth for them, which I think is pretty pretty good. They're going to have to try to offset some of those things. As well, we kind of heard a, a rehab of uh, BlackBerry Radar, right, which is going to be going into further trials. Well, it's been in trials with like one or two different customers, and there was a TD analyst who actually speculated that one of those partners may be Walmart, which is, you know, a very, very well-known brand throughout North America. If they have a partner like Walmart on board as a case study, you can imagine then trying to get other customers on board is going to be a little bit easier, especially if they piloted with such a large customer. Alex, in terms of this IoT platform and them really pushing this side of the equation, do you think that there really is going to be a kind of a value to be brought in here? I know we don't know a lot of the, the logistics in terms of the numbers, but I guess my point here is that if you take a look at BlackBerry Radar in terms of the IoT platform and in terms of this overall kind of segment reporting that we're doing, something like BlackBerry Radar may fall into two categories of the business, right? It may fall under the QNX uh, embedded side of their balance sheet, and it may also fall under the mobility solutions because a lot of the you know things that it's using are falling under that BTS business technology solution segment. So it's kind of interesting to see, do you think that BlackBerry Radar and these other IoT initiatives for BlackBerry are something that is going to change kind of the definition of what BlackBerry hardware is? It's almost as if John Chen's kind of taken what hardware means to BlackBerry and kind of inverted it on itself, right, and evolved kind of that definition. Yeah. Um, Is that something you think is going to be wise toward the balance sheet? Yeah, I mean, we've heard Chen talk in the past, and he always
1: brings it up that, like, when he's talking about software and hardware, he's kind of talking more so about, you know, software being able to run on multiple different types of hardware, and I guess he was kind of trying to get across that, like, hardware doesn't need to be a phone or a certain thing, it could just be so many different things, and I think exactly what you're saying. This is kind of one of the first things that we're seeing where here's a piece of hardware that's really software at the end of the day. Um, and that's the usefulness of it. But do I think that people will look at BlackBerry and be like, you know, I, I genuinely think that people will always look at BlackBerry and see them as a phone company, even if they even if they exit the phone industry. It's still people, That's just that's just the way that BlackBerry is seen. And I think it's really tough to shake that. And it's not like they even really want to shake that anyway. But
3: um, they don't want to, but in the long run they may because of the fact yeah. that, you know, that's, that's what's being shaped up within the company. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're switching over to software and, I don't know, the the way I looked at the earnings, I put uh, basically, like, a long and a short list of it. Hardware is still basically on the decline. Software is taking over where the hardware was and that's it, right? Like, how else can you look at it? Because even no but, matter how... Go ahead.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like that's, I mean that's not the full story because if you look at it, revenue is dropping. It's been dropping for the past couple of quarters. I mean, this is one of the lowest revenues that they've gotten in I think the past five or six quarters. Yeah, this so I mean, yeah, sure, software is taking a bigger chunk of it, but in reality, they're getting less money overall. So. I mean, I, I mean that's not the entire – it's not all about revenue. I mean, it comes down to how much your operating costs are versus your revenue and stuff. So there could be opportunity for them in the future to get a bigger profit from that. But right now, we're not really seeing that. So, I mean – And, and yeah, I well, want to talk about that a little yeah. bit, Brandon.
0: I have, you can tell Brandon is frustrated. I have some <laughs> of the numbers here highlighting. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can certainly tell that. If you take a look at the, the bottom left right here, right – and you're going to see the software growth offsetting that service access decline. So in Q1 of t- you know 2016, you see the software services only pulling in about 67 million, not much whatsoever, with service access fees topping at 252 million. And you can see the difference between the blue and the orange is literally inverted at it on. And in Q4 of 16, last quarter, we see finally that BlackBerry's own software and services, excluding their IP, actually overtook. The you know amount of decline that they've gotten on the service access fee. So right now you're totally right, Brandon. The revenue is down quite a bit because they're yeah. finally hitting that that kind of leveling off point. But yeah. we gotta we gotta also give John Chen some business credit here on the the right slide. Strong cash position enables investment and growth. You'll see that their business acquisitions have actually really bolstered the company and their cash position is strong. So you know revenue may be hurting a small bit here in this quarter but it yeah. seems like a lot of the cost structures have totally changed. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit, and this is, this is news that you may like, not really want to talk about right, on a BlackBerry podcast like this, but only f- half a million phones sold. right? And when we take a look at there was a small write-off on inventory, which is probably predominantly Priv devices, right? Because we know they haven't rolled out anything recently. If we take a look at the write-off that they did for the BlackBerry Z10 and, and Q10 devices, that was nearing $900 million, almost a billion dollars in inventory, right? And that was all pre-taxed, cleared out the way. And then we come look at what inventory write-off we had for Priv and maybe some of the other devices that are out there, and it was right around $41 million, a totally different number, right? So you can already tell the cost structures are totally entirely different in the way they're managed, right? And if we look a little bit further into some of their total revenues that they're pulling in, software orders with 10,000-plus enterprise customers, you can see their, their positive free cash flow is actually increasing. So while revenue is, is kind of balancing out as they're you know, working against the decline of the service access fees and trying to build up the other side of the business, they're still generating cash. And it's hard to see it really on the profitability of the balance sheet, but John is doing a lot to kind of right the ship here, so to speak. Yeah the, for me it's the, not the kind of growth that I want to see right it almost looks like growth in the opposite direction Yeah I mean well I mean
2: to be honest the the whole cash thing that's that's a positive sign when they have increased cash but it goes to a limit right the the good the positive aspects of cash is that it allows a company to spend it on things that they need to do to invest on so that they can garner more Uh, revenue or more profitability so for instance having cash on hand is a good sign that you know if they're coming out with new devices they may be able to spend some more money in advertisements or or for instance if there is a company they were looking to acquire Having cash on hand would facilitate things of that nature, and those, it's not, <laughs> those are two small examples. Those are two examples, right? Um, but then at the same time, if if a company just keeps getting more and more cash, I mean, it's it's never a bad thing. But at the same time, you also need to make your cash work for you. You can't just have it sitting there uh, yeah, accumulating. You want to, <laughs> yeah, you want to make your money work for you, and you want to make sure that you're not just stockpiling it. You want to make sure that's being used effectively, right? So, I mean. Those are good, it's a good sign that they're doing that, but it, it brings up another question with, which I was alluding to, which is, you no, know, what's that money going to go, and what's that money going to be invested in that they're saving up for, right? And I think that's the key thing that we should be looking for in the future.
0: It's, it's a very lean company right now, right? Apple has to sell 50 plus million devices and they make their margin, yada, yada. Same thing with Samsung, right? If you take a look at the device business trending toward profitability, you see that the main Majority here is that they're actually changing the operating structure. So like, if we take a look at Q3 of 16 versus Q4 of 16, it's costing them to operate in income about $75 to $80, $85 million of operating losses. And that, of course, the actual income that's coming from that is much, much smaller. Where they're barely making it over, so they're losing uh, between 10 to 20 million dollars each quarter just in the operation of their hardware business and the device business. Yeah. Fast forward to last quarter, right? Not Q1, but Q4 of 16. You see now their operating cost is right around 20 million. It's not a lot, and their profit and income coming in is actually breaching over that coming in at around 30, 35. So there, they're actually making some money on the hardware piece. It's just really about the cost and managing that. And again, John Chen's done a really nice job. Surprised, really, that they, they missed on the revenue portion. And I guess that's because of the software growth, right? With the further integration of some of their acquisitions, it's really tough to start really, really putting the pedal to the metal on that software growth. Again, they're trying to trend the market at about 30%. I wonder whether the M&A strategy is over, really. You know, a lot of this growth has come in inorganically by, you know, bringing in other organizations and kind of integrating. And we know John Chen's kind of said, "Now we're going to steer away from that to a degree, right? And we're going to try to sm- pick smaller portions of acquisition. Uh, do you guys think that this is going to be kind of a tipping point for BlackBerry, or do we have a couple more rough quarters to go through before we really start seeing, you know, the market address BlackBerry as a software entity as opposed to a hardware one?
3: No, I think there's still a couple of rough quarters. Yeah. At least three more rough quarters for them to go through to be able to go ahead and make a full transition. And then maybe, maybe then people will ultimately click over and see what the difference is between BlackBerry previously and BlackBerry now. But it's still gonna, it's still gonna continue on the path that it is right at the present moment for again two or three more quarters. So,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it in a different way, uh, James. Uh, as an investor, when you're looking at a stock like Blackberries, you got to ask yourself, where's the room to grow for Blackberry? And right now, there's a lot of questions up in the air about that. Where are they going to grow? And, and it's kind of unclear right now because we see all these numbers come out of the enterprise space, but it's not necessarily clear how much opportunity for growth there is in that space now, especially with an increasing, you know, field of competition in that space. So it's really about you know what other you know vertical pieces of the pie are pieces of their business they can generate growth from and I think we've seen a bit of that through BlackBerry radar and some of this IoT but it's unclear just how much potential there is for that stuff and and right now to me personally as if I was an investor I'm looking at it and I'm like okay they have even if they come out with some new devices I'm probably thinking it's not going to be a hit and I'm like, okay, they have their bread and butter, the enterprise software, but it's really not something that we're going to see a tremendous amount of growth. So to an investor, I would say it's it's almost kind of uh, a stock that you're kind of wondering, you know, really where is it going to go in the future?
0: It, that's something that John Chen did address in in their special meeting, really talking about kind of where the market's growing and how BlackBerry's kind of already there in terms of where things are going to be moving. And I've got a slide from their... Um, from that meeting. And it's a really interesting one to look at. I'm going to bring it up here, really talking about you know where the market's going to be going overall in some of these aspects. So if we take a look at this, this is kind of part of their strategy here, right? If you look at the addressable market, in 2015 versus where it's projected. Viper's kind of got all their ducks to grow with the market. So even if they don't invest heavily in, you know, their other verticals and expansions, they're still going to be doing pretty well. They've already got the secure communication, enterprise solutions, the EMM, the technology solutions. They've already got those pieces of business. It's now trying to just carve out their a bigger portion for themselves, you know? And a respectable portion at that, right? They don't need to be the market leaders in all of these segments to start kind of going with the trend. 2015, the addressable market's at five billion. Projected by 2019, that market's nearing 20 billion at 17.6. So if BlackBerry continues to play into where the market is going, they should be able to grow with the increasing addressable market. And as we know, IOT and a lot of these other things are just going to become more prevalent as you know the market continues to grow. Hopefully, BlackBerry has the executional ability like we're seeing with radar that they can really start <laughs> trying to.
3: And we lost James and Alex at the same time. Wait, wait empty. Oh, God. Alex we lost is still there. James
2: for sure. Well, I guess we'll still go. So, I guess the next thing we're going to talk about is some of these new. Well,
3: When it it comes to that addressable market and what James, just basically jumping off of what James said is like when it comes down to essentially their execution of it all I mean it's great to have a forecast to be able to go ahead and say okay, these are the trends these are the things that are happening this is how our company is positioned for it but I mean BlackBerry sometimes has a habit of not being able to execute properly even when they know what the trends are and they know what is being forecasted so you know that's where where yeah it, it, I look at these things and it looks like Blackberry has everything laid out perfectly and everything's going to end up turning up rosy for them but at the same time it's like you, you still need to execute on it You it, it's great to have a plan but at any point in time that plan can go awry or something can happen and something screws up and then all of a sudden your plan is shot all to hell right so, yeah, it's great that they have everything mapped out, but the execution part of it is more important than actually having the plan. Like, Yeah. And they, I mean, they don't, sometimes they don't execute properly in the ways that they should, and that, that I, that's the part that I find really worrisome.
0: I'm still waiting for a picture of the radar device. Yeah.
2: <laughs> still well, waiting. It's, uh, it's, it's very difficult to execute with these types of things. I mean... Even even huge I companies think, like you look at you look at their mic-
0: execution is like yeah what, what you, about Microsoft Brandon
2: yeah you look at Microsoft with their Xbox and they, I mean all the money they have all the money in the world to advertise and they just they misread the market when they released the Xbox One and stuff so I mean it's they're they're a good company when it comes to you know maybe not 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 nailing the launch on things and, and bringing stuff to market right. And I think it's a lot more difficult than than we realize, you know. I think it's always yeah. easy to be an armchair CEO or something. Yeah, and, exactly. And hindsight's twenty twenty, right?
0: Yeah, the Pribs pricing is twenty yeah. twenty for sure. I, th- I I think one thing, one of the things that we need to respect is John Chen's tenure, right? This is a, something he's done before, so. I, I'm not too worried in terms of like the numbers and the quarters and how long it's going to take. This is the first year that they've been cash flow positive, right? The business isn't dying. If anything,
3: it's just growing very, very slowly, and we're well, all... It's, it's not dying. It's just growing in a way that other people don't really appreciate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and really, it, it takes a veteran to, to do what John Chen's done. John Chen says, all right, I need my handset business to grow to profitability, and Blaze mentioned this earlier, and he he didn't really give it the kind of jab it needed, right? It's like, I'm going to make my handset business profitable. How I'm going to do that is I'm going to say, all right, the handset business to me means every piece of handset that I can monetize, my own or my competitions. So if I sell and license my software, my hub, my keyboard to other players – I'm going to count that as hardware revenue under mobility solutions. So we're going to see <laughs> software additives added into what's making this business unit profitable. And again, only John Chen would go to segmented reporting to make things a little bit more clear, but ultimately shroud the numbers even more
3: with different yeah. streams of revenue. <laughs> yeah, everything, even though it's supposed to be done in a manner so that everything is clear, it's actually obscuring some more numbers to be able not. Not to be able to decipher exactly what is doing what in terms of the financial reports.
0: <laughs> it's brilliant right now instead of us seeing the, you know the net loss or you know the cents per share missed in the segmented reporting, we're going to look at you know the different parts of the business we're gonna see green, 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 green and everyone's gonna be like, oh everything's doing well where really you know <laughs> we could sell 400,000 devices next quarter and that may, that segment may look green because we've started licensing and things like that. And, again, with the cost controls that they've put under, and and as we head into the rest of our topic list here, John Chen's really being prudent and stringent about how he's going through this. Let's talk about the global support of BBM video across iOS and Android. Have any of you guys, like, started telling people in your families or people you know across platforms about BBM's, you know, video features? Or is it something you don't even want to bring up because they've been kind of burnt in the past by BBM?
1: I don't, yeah. know, I, I don't really use video on, like, I, it's it's kind of a weird thing because, like, I have some friends that have iPhones and they use the video capabilities on there quite a bit, but, like, I'm just not the kind of person that, like, wants to video chat with people, and none of my friends seem to be those type of people either, mm-hmm. aside from those who have iPhones. So, me, I, like, I don't know. Um, if I had, like, a kid and if I was away on a trip or something, a business trip, then like absolutely I think that there would be a lot of sense to do that and I would use it more. I'm just not necessarily the target demographic, I think, for video
3: chat, so. Pretty much falls in line with me. I mean, the only time that I used it was with James, and I'm like, dude, just ignore this because I'm only taking a picture. <laughs> I, I, I need a photo <laughs> to be able to go ahead and post on the blog, so just ignore it and just let it ring, and James is like, okay, done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'm on a passport anyway, so... <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, that's the other side
0: of it, too. Yeah, a lot of people wondering why, you know, why is BlackBerry 10 excluded? BlackBerry, you've, you've messed it up again. You got... It was, oh, this just bothers me so much, right? Obviously, they're going to try to bridge the gap if they can, technologically. Yeah. But when you're doing a rollout of something like this, they're learning from their mistakes, guys. When they first went cross-platform, BBM broke... It took like a month to get it back, right? They're not trying to break it again, bringing in a global rollout of a brand-new product. So, yes, they've got the iOS Android portion cordoned off so that that doesn't crash and break the rest of BBM. Again, you should be thankful that it's not all integrated right now. (laughs) Give it some time. We know there's a massive update coming to BBM in July, summertime update, late summertime. So we can imagine maybe they're going to bridge that gap with BBM video and have it fully cross-platform. Again, right now, what is the real use case, right? Not many people are using BBM video anyway. I was asking Blaze the other day, I was like, Blaze, would you pay for premium BBM video features? He's like, nah. Not at, not at all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, what no. premium features could we even possibly add to it that would entice me to use it? And James is like, screen share, I'm like, I guess, but, I don't know, screen share, as cool as it is, I, I just don't personally have any sort of use case scenario for that. Aside I like, from... Kind of like with Alex with video chat. So.
1: Yeah, if you need to help like a family member do something on yeah. their phone, that's useful, but ironically, like Google is actually coming out with Google support, which is going to be screen sharing. Um, it might be just directly to Google uh, support reps to help you on your phone, but... Um, if they open that up, then Blackberry doesn't even need to do that. So,
0: I just want to share my screen the, uh, when I get when I get nudies for Alex, so he can see them. I mean, this comes back <laughs> to
2: the uh, conversation we were having in our own little uh, discussion, James, in the Bearfield group, when we were talking about just like, no, really, is there is there any market nowadays for companies to monetize off messaging apps? And that kind of came from a Reddit thread on the Blackberry subreddit where somebody was complaining about um, yeah. ads in their their chats feed, right? Uh, and it got us talking about, you know, reality. There's a lot of the competition doesn't charge or doesn't doesn't have a lot of these invasive yeah. ads and things like that. And it's just like it, messaging apps today are more of a means to get users onto an ecosystem or, or or use that information some other way than directly derive profit from the actual app itself right and I'm just wondering really I mean I, you had some good ideas in the chat James if you want to expand on them about how Blackberry could monetize BBM in more of a service fashion and one of my ideas was using it more like leveraging you know leveraging it for services um, so, for instance, if you have a BBM channel, you could potentially, you know, sell your services on a BBM channel and, and interact with people who follow you and give them lessons. For instance, as from a guitar, they could stream your video and stuff like that. That'd be something different, right? That people might be interested in. I'm not sure. Uh, you had some other ideas, though, James, right?
0: I mean, I've thought for a while, and I've armchair CEO this article the year 2014. I'm like BlackBerry by Telegram, right? By another messaging player. I mean, you've made acquisitions to expand every other portion of your business, right? Why not offload a lot of the BBM growth and innovation factors by just acquiring and integrating, right? Telegram's a great option. I mean, I could send a gigabyte file to Alex over Telegram, right? The groups of 250 plus. You know, a lot of things that BlackBerry's infrastructure could be capable of doing had they built it up. I honestly think there's a better value proposition for segmenting BBM consumer versus BBM enterprise, right? BBM enterprise, BBM protected, run that on BlackBerry's infrastructure. Let the consumers have a great consumer experience by using you know, a rebranded enhanced version of Telegram that brings in BlackBerry's features. You know, I think that's something that would help grow the messaging business without totally you know, off-putting their their own ability to innovate on it and you know, keeping their own security, kind of linked, link and chain intact, right? Their whole pin-based system. You know, there is a big update coming to BBM in summer, probably next month. So I'm interested to see a lot of – it seems like they're just listening to a lot of user feedback, right? We wanted BBM video. They brought us BBM video. We want iOS notifications fixed. They fixed, you know, iOS notifications and a lot of other small things. So to say BBM isn't growing is, again, it comes down to the rate of growth, right? They're clearly focused elsewhere in terms of building. I honestly think channels is such an underrated piece. So I'm going to give you an example, right? This is something that literally happened last night, and it was just remarkable to me because it was something that it just blew my mind, right? I when we did our patron shirts for our patron supporters, uh, we had to. I went out into a local shirt manufacturer and I got like custom shirts. Brandon's actually wearing his right now, and. Yeah. Uh, He's repping it hard, repping his uh, his Flow pyramid. But anyway, I went out and got these shirts. I wanted to source the material. I wanted to make sure that it was going to be up to quality for what our patrons were, you know, going to be getting. So I ordered in bulk. So I had the inventory. Uh, I started clearing out the inventory as I started mailing and shipping things out to our supporters. I had like one shirt left, right? This is a medium-sized shirt. I put out a, a quick BBM status, not a channel post, nothing like that, nothing so-so public, but I just put a simple BBM status. Hey, I got a medium-sized BerryFlow shirt. I'll hook it up on the price. Does anyone want it, right? I got a couple yeah. different messages. I put it in our BBM group thinking someone you know, on the BerryFlow team might do it just to kind of clear it out. But we all decided, oh, there's some new designs coming. Uh, let's, let's wait on those. But uh, <laughs> Marco's working on some of those. But anyway, uh, quick BBM status. I get a contact from one of our followers, loves what we're doing, would do anything to continue supporting us. Name is Mac. Mac is awesome. Max like, yeah, i got a shirt. How much? And he's like, I, I live in New Zealand. Like, free shipping, right? <laughs> and I'm like, uh. And he's like, okay, I live in New Jersey. And I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're communicating over BBM, right? We're having a great kind of customer service experience. I'm asking him, you know, where he lives. I'm asking what size he needs. I send him some pictures of the shirt all through a BBM message, right? Super simple. I tell him what the price is. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. PayPal's me it immediately, right? I have his address. I've got the payment already. Literally tomorrow, I ship out the shirt, and it's a very seamless sale. For an end user, a brand like Barryflow or myself, having a quick way to just have those types of digital, you know, commerce interactions with users is great. And I was able to facilitate that through a BBM channel. Uh, excuse me, a BBM status and a chat. Imagine if something like that was built into channels, right? I used Amazon as an example in our group chat because Amazon already has a partnership with Blackberry. But you can imagine, Amazon has some extra inventory of stuff they're trying to move. They put it out on their channel and make it very seamless for people who follow the channel to buy using the integration that PayPal already has, right? That's a low-hanging fruit, in my opinion, that they could help to grow channels. and That goes right alongside Brandon's idea for maybe curated tech content and support, right? Brandon, I need a lesson. I'm gonna pay you via BBM to teach me X, Y, Z, right? Fifty bucks a session, right? But having that kind of facilitation makes channels more focused on brands and you know artists and people of that nature versus just you know bloggers trying to microblog, right? Making it a little bit more focused on the services side, that definitely increased channels, uh, you know, availability for the market. But again it's just so such not a focus for them right now right uh, clearly they're focused on building out the rest of the consumer portfolio that they have in terms of BBM i think it's such a underrated platform i really do yeah. i had never really used bbm paypal integration i've used it with alex a couple of times to pay the berryflow invoices but aside from that i've never used it like for an actual peer to peer transaction right using it in such a way using it as seamlessly as it was it's it's so underrated. Like in mm-hmm. iMessage I cannot do that. I will potentially yeah, in the future yeah. of iMessage be able to do that. But it's just a layered, reliable experience that is is totally underrated. So yeah, really it's c- yeah it's
2: actually quite a like it's one of, I, I agree with you, it is an underrated feature and under underrated platform. I mean I unfortunately don't use it that much. I used to use it when I was DJing in the universe and I would put up mixes and stuff and I think that what I really liked about it was that it was just so easy to use and you can instantly see um, some statistics on who's viewed what posts and how many followers you have and which posts they saw and stuff like that right in the application. So it was very kind of content creator friendly. Uh, Whereas sometimes you're on Twitter and you're sending out tweets and you don't get that same type of information right there as as somebody tweeting. And the good thing is, is that you don't necessarily have to be a channel owner to view other channels, right? You don't necessarily have to be part of that entire space of setting up your own channel just for the ability to look at other channels, right? Just the sake of having BBM there as a messaging platform already, you can take in that. That other aspect of it, which is which was something neat, because then it really focused on people who really want to create content would yeah. create the content that people want to see and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, like I I visit Alex's channel all the time. It's so fresh and so active. I don't post on, on any social media, yet alone channels. Like I, it's it's tough for me to post on. Blaze posted on channels earlier today, and I'm like, wow, it's been like a month or two.
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> Maybe it's, more. it's probably been longer than yeah. that for sure. <laughs> But here here's the thing like we can talk we can talk about how underrated BBM is and I absolutely agree because you know it's a simplistic messaging system that has a lot of depth to it uh, underneath all of the layers but you know what's what's BlackBerry doing to go ahead and spread the word of BBM I mean Oh, dude!
0: Don't this That's, this better not be a marketing. It's funny because like they could market BBM and their phones in one ad, but they can barely do one.
3: You know. Right, and like I, I see all of these things going out. Like the other day, uh, what is it? Matthew Matthew Talbot did up a post about like the Ghostbuster stickers and stuff like that. But at the same time, what is everybody complaining about on BBM right now? Too many ads. Like over the past week, I have had so many complaints about ads on BBM people looking for like apK files that remove the ads from BBM or people that didn't know that you could go ahead and pay for ad removal so it's like yeah BBM is underrated but what's blackberry doing to be able to go ahead and increase the awareness and you know invite users into the <laughs> system it seems like seems like yeah okay you get somebody on BBM but then all of a sudden they're they're hit with a barrage of channel ads and everything else. It's like, how and, can you how can you onboard users when the experience isn't necessarily the same across the board? Because I, I still believe BlackBerry 10 users get less ads than what you know Android or iOS users do, um, for whatever reason. I mean. Because that would require but, BBM to be updated for Blackberry yeah, Ten. <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you know, and the the whole cross-platform video thing, yeah, there there's reasons as to why it's not working on Blackberry Ten versus Android and iOS as well. but you know at the same time that's that's a hindrance upon expanding the the availability of it. like we know right now that you know it's something that Blackberry is going to work on, but the thing is, is that other people don't know or they just don't care or they hear about experiences like that and they're like, screw it, I'm just going to use WhatsApp or whatever, right? And, so, and yeah. that's that's the thing,
1: though, because, like, it's difficult enough getting, say, an iPhone user to install anything. Like, if you if you said to them, because they, they all use iMessage, if you're like, hey, you know, download BBM, and they're like, oh, so I have to go through all this effort and, and I have to make, like, a a BBM like a login and everything like that like whatever and then and then they get ads too and they're like why don't I just use iMessage like people the general consumer doesn't even understand what BBM is or what WhatsApp is is or anything like that so if you can get a free alternative WhatsApp and not get any ads and get a very similar experience why would you not just get that but that's not even the problem the problem is people aren't even installing WhatsApp People, like at this point like people have died off installing WhatsApp and I they can name 50 different competitors out there so onboarding new users to BBM I think is like literally an impossible feat unless you force someone to do it and even then you force them to do it look at ads and they'll be like why am I not why am I not just using Something else that's for you, no,
0: no, mean, no means no, Alex. Okay, there, be clear.
2: There, there's an interesting comment on right now on YouTube in, on our live chat here saying uh, from Evan Downey, he said, My wife just started with an established medical company, they all have Blackberries, but nobody had an idea how to use BBM. And what I was thinking of is that that's kind of true. A lot of companies they'll have Blackberry devices, but there really isn't an integration between BBM and people's email. So, for instance, when I want to search for somebody um in my company their contact information. I kinda look on Outlook and in, in in the address book or whatever, the contact book mm-hmm. and find their contact information. But there really isn't any integration in there for BBM. And it's just one of those things where it's like if if Blackberry was really serious about, you know, having this BBM integration, maybe they could Find a way to have that information pop up somehow and integrate it with Outlook. I know so Outlook you can. Build that's products,
0: an interesting right? point, Brandon. They did an update to BBM where they added in basically contacts. Yeah. Who, let's say, you know, Alex has BBM installed on his phone. He's not my contact, but you know he does have. I have his email address, right? And that's the same email he used for BBM. Yeah. Those contacts will show up. What's interesting to your point is that in the summer update that is coming, they plan on adding in the integration of telephone numbers so that. A little, that's yeah. a little bit easier. So you know, but again, like I don't have my work contacts in my yeah. address book, you know, but my personal no, but, contacts I might.
2: But what I'm saying is, is that BBM should essentially be like a link, like a Microsoft link type of thing, or like, for instance, my company uses Skype now, and everybody on their phone can just message other people in the company through yeah. skype and everything like yeah. that and like why can't why can't BBM be something like that because Skype has that integration with Outlook and I know obviously there's you no know, reasons for that because Skype is owned from my, by Microsoft as well but I mean it's things like that that I, I think BBM mm-hmm. could really shift into something like that like a full-fledged Definitely. enterprise messaging uh, if, service and, if, and it's right at the cusp of being brand that
0: if you think about it, when they had BBM meetings out, they actually tried to integrate it right into Outlook so that you could schedule a BBM meeting, and maybe that's something they could bring to the BBM video now that's just part of BBM, right, where you could schedule out. I think the web component's really the, the, the missing portion here, right? Yeah. Mobile is great. I use Skype for Business as well in my, uh, in my work, but... I would love to just have it all integrated in one place, and you know, I really don't even want to talk about BBM anymore. It's so depressing to be quite honest. As I swipe away this ad in my in my feeds out here on Android, did but, you know you
3: can subscribe to the service? It'll take away all the ads. It's like a dollar ninety nine a month. You can just do that. It's in the BBM shop. You should subscribe. Or you to can it, just bro. get WhatsApp for free, <laughs> no, like. <laughs>
1: But, but all, but then all my this like is, is quite a bit, end. dude. The it's the mm-hmm. funny part is how much Blackbird is actually making from these ads. I can guarantee you that they're maybe if if they're lucky, they're making like ten cents a year from each person. So you're charging one ninety nine a month or whatever it is a month to remove ads. Like it's it's also very high price for what it is. But they probably figure the people who are using BBM enough, who truly do not want ads. It's a small enough subset where they can charge a higher price for it. But that's kind of ridiculous pricing.
3: Do you think BlackBerry missed the boat on buying WhatsApp? Like, what... It was... Nine, what was, it was nine, yeah, I mean, uh, that aside. Yeah. Yeah, $19 billion aside, do you think they yeah. missed the boat on buying WhatsApp?
1: I think that could... Ha- like, if if they bought it earlier on when there weren't as many users... So when they had maybe 200 million users, 300 million users, whatever, I think that would have been great. You know, Right now, I, I genuinely think the reason why BBM really doesn't have much growth left in it, aside from possibly enterprise and things, is because there's too many free options available right now, yeah. and WhatsApp is that primary option.
3: And buying WhatsApp would have taken out essentially yeah. the competition, right? Yeah. Because I, I don't know what from WhatsApp what you know, what they would have integrated. Like, WhatsApp would have probably ended up being, like, one of those J-Cut acquisitions where you don't really get much out of it except for taking okay. out the competition. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, <laughs> can we – Can we? okay, Blaze went there, so we're going to go there, right? <laughs> I am on Snapchat, on Android. I took a video at the beach. I turned my phone sideways, right? Uh, no one does that, right? Yeah, I turned my phone sideways, right? Snapchat I can okay. Snapchat sends me this video in the horror in the vertical, right? I'm so upset. I'm so frustrated. I'm trying to flip this video to put it landscape again, right? I turn my phone sideways, but the file downloaded vertical. Whatever. Snapchat, I hate you. I'm on Android, I'm trying to rotate this video left. I download three apps, doesn't work. Three apps. I can't flip it. I put it on my computer. Couldn't flip it on Windows Movie Maker. I'm like, Jesus.
3: I put it on BB10. Tough.
0: I natively hit the edit button, rotate it, save oh, it. J cut, really? J cut, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why does BlackBerry have this IP that just sits there doing nothing for them? Yeah. I, I don't just hidden in like the OS. <laughs> Blaze's 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 uh, explanation was John Chen doesn't know what J cut is. He doesn't know. <laughs> what, he doesn't know that he owns that. Like he's focused on the future. and Blaze is totally right. Like they're not even looking back at that type of stuff when they should, right? They put all this stuff into BB10. I'd love to see more of it start coming out on Android, you know? Why not? It's an asset you're not doing anything with. Do it, right? Brandon wants BlackBerry Express so bad.
4: If yeah. BlackBerry
0: Express comes to Android, he will buy a priv. These
4: guys, like, honestly though, like, you like, you don't understand. Like, people are constantly looking for new ways to do presentations. And BlackBerry Express was a nice, fresh way to easily create presentations on the fly on your device. I mean, I've used, like, other uh, presentation kind of software and apps on, like, an iPad and things like that, and, like, on my friend's Android devices and stuff like that. And BlackBerry Express was one of the best and most intuitive ways to be able to do something so quick. I remember uh, when I first started my last job, I actually created a presentation like within an hour on the fly and presented it to to clients and they loved it and it's just like one of those things where it's like why they wouldn't just flesh it out and just put it out there, I, I, I mean I can, I can kind of understand because the nature of how we created the presentation isn't like a standard format like a PowerPoint because it had a lot of moving things and all that right but, I mean, if they could integrate that with the internet or something, and so kind of like Prezi, you can have your internet hosted online or your, your presentation hosted online and then you just go to a computer and log into your account, it would, uh, that would solve that issue, right? So, I mean, there's lots of ways because PowerPoint isn't the only option yet. There's a whole bunch of other people there that have, you know, kind of proprietary solutions and they circumvent those, you know, those challenges. Right but it's a it what look back to the point. it's a professional tool, and they like we always hear about them talking about these professional sweet suite, suite of apps, but I mean, here's one app that had widespread you know praise from everybody that used it, and they're like, no, let's not focus any time on the one app that everybody seems to love and give it five stars. Let's focus on other stuff that you know that people but don't use BBM they're, and
0: take
1: forever to do so. They're yeah. not stupid like they I know like yes it had phenomenal reviews but the download numbers probably just weren't there enough and the strategy for monetizing it or or whatever they were going to use it for probably just did not make enough sense. Like there there are some phenomenal apps out there that just don't have enough of a market
3: to use it. I don't know and, man sometimes I I do do it was, Alex, it was, it was a thing. Take that out of a loop and just do it just because it's you know whatever you want to call it a fan service or whatever you know sometimes you just need to take the monetization aspect out of it yeah. and and the cost just basically for the betterment of the operating system and the awareness that you Use get
2: out of beta it zone. yeah Use like beta it, zone. there's yes.
3: like for it, it still puzzles me as to why BlackBerry doesn't generally have any sort of like d- integrated cloud services, like why can't I go to blackberry.com forward slash photos and have all of the photos synced from my device, like you know, the, those are, are features that Apple essentially goes ahead and provides out of the box for better or worse um, but Blackberry has never done anything really like that, like it, it's it's those things those small little things that people do appreciate and essentially talk about and you know, sometimes you re- you really do just have to cut the monetization cost out of it and not really consider it and just do it because of the fact that it, it creates a better system in the long run. Like it, it they're on Android still, now, right? So it's almost like beyond the point of mattering too. Well yeah, but that that almost seems like that almost seems like an excuse as well at the same time. It's because it's like okay, well why doesn't the proof have a file manager? Well just go ahead and download one from Google Play. Well yeah, that is that is an acceptable answer to some people, but at the same time, it's not, right? Like, yep. almost every Android OEM builds in a file manager of some sort of their own. Whether or not it sucks, it really doesn't matter. That's besides the point. Like, you don't send people to Google Play and just say, oh, well, you can go ahead and download one in Google Play or anything like that. Yep. Like, that, that that's not catering to your user. That's like, okay, right. okay we built an Android device. We're not going to build anything else on this Android device. Whatever you want is available on Google Play. And, yeah, I mean, it, it does work. I mean, yeah, it, it. but it doesn't cater to the actual user, and that's really frustrating. And I'm sure that's part of the reason as to why some people just simply don't adopt it or they buy a Samsung phone or they buy an iPhone or whatever, right, because it's the little things that are in there. And, you know, for as much as we say that BlackBerry 10 is really good as well, at the same time, BlackBerry, what one portion of what made BlackBerry 10 really good was the small little things that yes, were integrated deep within the OS that, granted, a lot of people don't necessarily know about. Like, James' example of the video is a prime example of how, how things were deeply integrated that are so beautiful about BlackBerry 10. Like, you just... It's there chances are a lot of people aren't going to know about it, but the people who do are the ones that actually use it and appreciate it and, and, and basically put it to use, right? Like, all these things should be included on, on you know, the Priv. Like, the answer, the answer to every question about how you do something on your Priv should not be download an app from Google Play. That's not a selling experience. That's not an overall great experience.
0: My but. my girl has an LG and she uses the LG browser, even though Chrome is you know eighty times better. Same exact thing, right? They're going to use what's there and available to them. Same thing, yeah. like everything that BlackBerry Ten is, even the gestures, right? Like Alex is downloading Action Launcher and adding in his own gestures, right? He shouldn't have to do that, right? BlackBerry Launcher should be that advanced to offer him those kinds of capabilities so but that he doesn't have to, to sacrifice for that, the ease though. of having an icon here. Yeah, go ahead
1: Alice. I mean you, like I brought that up to you because that frustrated me when I first got the Priv, but you brought up the good point where it's like for the average consumer that doesn't matter. Like the people who are going to be screwing around and they want these types of features and functionality they'll go and download the apps anyway. Like my mom doesn't really need that. It would be nice that she can swipe down from anywhere to get to notifications instead of having going to the top of the screen. Like little simple things like that, but like you mentioned, it just needs to be good enough and do what it needs to do. I mean, I do you think it's worth BlackBerry's time to build in all of this
0: functionality and try and mirror another app in the store? When, when I get when I get the the feedback that AT and T says, you know, it wasn't BlackBerry 10 enough for their fans, so they did, returned it. I'm thinking, yes. Whether whether the the user is advanced enough to go to use that feature. I think it should be there, right? I would love, and again, they have the hub gesture and things like that already here on Priv. Those are, I want more of those, right? I want a more BlackBerry-esque experience. I want StoryMaker. I want Blend. And I, if you're going to sell me an Android, I want the best of what you've got on that Android. I don't want to have to, as Blaze mentioned, go yeah. download Solid Explorer, which is a great app. We're not, we're not crapping on the app, right? It's that yeah. if BlackBerry just did it, the value proposition of that out-of-the-box experience, you pick the phone up, you use it, and you're in that little ecosystem would advance that much more. The people reason the – re- the people reason. The reason people <laughs> like iMessage and things like that is because they pull out the phone, it works, and they never have any you know, outside-of-that-scope support issues, right? It handles and does what they want to do. If BlackBerry did more of that, they would be in a much better place. But BlackBerry just loves off-sourcing those things, right? So, Blaze, tell us about TCL. Tell us how you told us so already.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, We're I talking guess.
0: hamburg now for those who are yeah. listening in.
3: Yeah, I guess the best place to start would be the basically with the the Wi Fi certification. Now granted I didn't I didn't find this Wi Fi certification myself. I actually found it browsing through Twitter and someone had tweeted out basically that, you know um a Wi Fi certified device came through from T C L slash Alcatel that was based on the hamburg like Obviously, this person had previous knowledge of the Hamburg device, so, uh, you know, the Wi-Fi certification actually shows up. It shows, you know, the company, it was certified on June 24th, which is, I believe that was only a few days ago. Yeah, it's only the 26th today, so, yeah, Yeah, that yeah, yeah. that was basically happening during, like, the earnings call, I guess. Um, the product name is actually DTEC 50, <laughs> yeah. and the model number follows directly in line with what we know from, you know, all of the previous rumors. I guess you could say, as being a model number dedicated to BlackBerry devices. The the standard ST, you know, 100-3. So this one shows up as STH 100-2, and it has a, a pretty standard BlackBerry model number as well. And you know the the Wi-Fi certification simply shows that it's a smartphone, it runs Android Marshmallow, and it follows along with the exact same, you know, firmware versions that we know that BlackBerry has pushed out it as well. Um, but, of course, the, the, the key aspect there is that it, it was basically, you know, the idle for that we heard rumors about before, uh, that BlackBerry would basically be adopting that sort of platform or using TCL and Alcatel as a baseline device, it seems as though you know based on on this that that adds a little bit more credence to those rumors and you know it, it seems as though the blackberry has come to some sort of agreement with TCL and Alcatel to be able to go ahead and push out a smartphone that's running Android marshmallow so that's pretty much it uh, uh, it's it's
0: it's a little more than that, too, right? Chen's talking about, oh, I'm going to be licensing my software yeah. to, to other manufacturers while I'm also having another manufacturer build me a phone at, for my <laughs> design spec. You can imagine there may be a little bit more to a deal like this. Maybe there's a partnership to have the Alcatel phones running some BlackBerry software and then – you know, we've swapped hardware and software for each other. We don't really know at this point. What I do find interesting, Blaze, is that this was a, f- a forum post in the CB forums a while ago. So this has been churning for a little bit, right? Do, do you think that diminishes the, the, the device in some people's mind? I mean, some people just think, ew, TCL, Alcatel, Chinese, I, I'm not interested. But we look at Foxconn and Lindstrom and some of their other partners, and it's,
3: it's the same kind of, you know, it's nothing yeah. new, right? Yeah, I mean, basically, people have a long-standing impression that BlackBerry built and, and you know basically designed all of their own devices, when that's really not the case. I mean, they designed a lot of them and put them out. And BlackBerry, at one point in time, used to go ahead and manufacture devices within Waterloo, but you know those days have long been over. And you know they they you know they're like Apple and everybody else who, who's creating cell phones, they outsource the, the stuff to places like Foxconn and Wistron and, you know, all of those other places. And, you know, when you get a BlackBerry and you, it's made in Mexico, you know pretty much at that point in time that it was it was built by Wistron, right? So, uh, you know, putting it together and placing it beside Alcatel, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in the long run, but I do believe that, you know, the, the perception of Alcatel building a BlackBerry device at this point in time has soured some people's opinions about the possibility of the hardware that could come out, because Alcatel isn't necessarily known for their great, fantastic hardware. I mean, they've they they they've never really busted into the North American market either, in terms of, of any sort of mass appeal to users or anything like that, like, wanted the Idol 4 is probably one of the devices that's going to help them expand their horizons within North America. So, I don't know. I mean, it's clear it's clear looking at the comments on Crackberry there are a lot of people who who basically feel as though that it's a terrible idea to use Alcatel, but again at the same time, how is it any different than using, you know, Foxconn or Wistron like the only the only thing that I would personally find I guess you could say cheap and cheesy about it, would be if they didn't make any hardware changes really at all. If they just basically took one device and removed the Alcatel logo and slapped on a BlackBerry logo, that would be... That would be offensive and not... It would be lame,
2: yeah.
3: Yeah, that would not be appreciated. But if BlackBerry is, is still going ahead and designing it and then basically just saying, okay we designed this phone, we're going to hand it to Alcatel or TCL to go ahead and build it, then what's wrong with that? Like, I don't see anything particularly wrong with that. It's, again, the same thing that they've done with Foxconn and Wistron. but if you're going to go ahead and just simply rebadge a phone, that's where it becomes problematic. And... At this point, it's not really fair of anyone to be able to go ahead and say, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing because we honestly don't know. I can't but, see them
0: them the shipping an Idol Four with a Blackberry logo because yeah, then I want the I want the VR headset and everything else that's coming. At
3: that point, again, I don't I don't know what the actual situation there is. It could be just that Alcatel is, you know, licensing some of the stuff, or Alcatel is just building Blackberry designed devices. Who knows? You made a at really point.
0: interesting point, right? This device was long, uh, and the Idol Four. Alcatels was announced back in the Mobile World Congress earlier this year and it still hasn't made it six months later yeah. into this American market. <laughs> what I find is interesting is Blaze just made made a great little point earlier that they've had trouble breaching into the American market. If BlackBerry is the way for them to do that, you know, then you're selling devices in that region, right? Regardless of the brand, I think it's a win win for everybody. If BlackBerry can finally get some devices moving for them in this region, in the North American region, that's a that's a benefit to them, right? That allows them to play outside of China while well. Also having the inverse effect, right? They want to sell a BlackBerry in China. They can easily do so now, right? right? So I think it is a good potential. On Android Central, the review that I saw of the Idol 4 and 4S looked great. The phones were super responsive. I don't know if it was the frame rate on the video or what, but the devices look awesome, very kind of lightly skinned. Alcatel did some nice things with the speakers and the boom key. I mean... It's a pretty decent device for you know it's an Android slab so it doesn't need to go above and beyond that device is very very comparable to a Samsung Galaxy S6 so I'm I'm fine with that all phones are the same why is Blackberry going to spend a bunch of money a bunch of time rebuilding a rectangle like it doesn't make any business sense so I'm all about it um, you know the leap again one of those things that they rehash the same design across multiple devices you know. I'd like to see them go for something that's a little bit different. You can see why they went with the Leap design, because they didn't have to invest a whole lot to change it from a Z3, right? Uh, that's a cost thing that they had to do. With this, they seem to have a really good reference platform. If they can rebrand, change some of the, the, the body up here and there, bring a little bit of that BlackBerry design factor in, I think it's something that could be successful. But again, it all comes down to pricing, right? We don't want this to be priv-priced. If this, So in my opinion, Blaze, this is what I'm thinking may happen. We have the Idol 4, which would be the Hamburg, the Idle 4S, which is a slightly higher spec phone, would be the mid-range physical QWERTY device, the Rome, which may happen, right? And then, you know, as we're going to talk a little bit in our after show coming up here, there may be a potential for a third device that's kind of been floating around. Um, what, what do you guys think about BlackBerry kind of pushing forward? Alex, they might have been listening to this podcast and you wanting a high-end phone if BlackBerry were to like relaunch a secondary or you know high-end device and re-enter that market, do you think they'd be making any money? You know, in terms of their cost management now, like is selling a high-end BlackBerry phone something they should do, or should they focus solely on that mid-range?
1: Yeah. So I mean, there's a few different ways for me to look at it from a fan perspective. I'd want to say yes, they can make money from it, but realistically, I think they it's not the right market. Android. I, the more and more I read into it and see how people act like they have a price limit on most phones of 500 bucks that's just how they are in the Android market so for BlackBerry to try and be that you know high-end model I don't think it makes sense for them and, and they can't they probably can't get their costs down as low as say Samsung can and these companies that are doing it and are selling so many phones so as much as it like pains me to say it I don't necessarily think they should be in the high-end market even though i would absolutely be a buyer of that phone but that like and i don't know it's it's bittersweet with but like would you would like,
0: you would you buy an updated priv i mean why wouldn't I they absolutely build this one you
1: know? i absolutely would but the thing is they would probably have to price it at a price point where they wouldn't be making that much money from it and okay, then they would right. have to figure out is that worth it for us to to take this it's going going to be a risk but um is it worth it to them, and it
3: probably wouldn't be. That's what but. confuses me about the new device rumors. Is like, okay, I can understand the mid range ones. Why John Chen has already been very forthcoming in saying that they priced the proof too high, it was too high end, the high end market is too saturated, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But then you get rumors of them creating a high end device. Um, didn't you just say that? The high-end market was too saturated, and like, yeah, you, you know, could... their,
0: their price was too saturated, let's be honest. Well, okay,
1: <laughs> how, how many Privs do you think were actually sold? How many total Privs would you, would you say were sold? Like... 500,000.
2: <laughs> okay, well, that, that's the thing. So the
1: question I have for you is, well, I have for BlackBerry, I guess, if you could pretty much get like a guaranteed 500,000 sales of a new device, making a Priv2, can you price it at 600 bucks or 650 and would that be worth it? And if the answer is no, then there's no reason for them to do it. But if the answer is
0: yes, I mean, the, how much R&D goes into it, there's a lot of other costs you, associated if you, with if you, it. If you look at it, right, and they, they kind of laid this out on the balance sheet so plainly for us in the AGM that they did, right? If they sell a phone, because we know their ASP is around 290 at the price they're selling it, right? So we kind of have an idea as to how much they're going to make if they are able to sell 500,000 phones at that 290 kind of price point. After all things are said and done, that's 145 million dollars, right? Which isn't a lot by any any means, right? But if they're able to get their costs, and it seems like they have been down to between 10 and 4, excuse me, 10 and 40 million dollars per quarter then if in a quarter I can sell 100000 on top of that, my device business is profitable. It's, again, just hard to sell privs at that you know that type of price point. If they were to bring it down to like a $550 price, they're going to take a hit of about $100 on their ASP. So it's going to be kind of tough for them. Uh, I think it's something doable. And at the mid-range, the margin may be even better for them where the costs are even lower and their selling price may be a little bit higher. I think it's something they can do, but they gotta they gotta have their costs under control, to, so that a risk like a Priv 2, at you know 250,000 units is something that they could possibly do. I want to transition here because we're gonna talk a little bit more on our after show about these three devices, Neon, Argon, and Mercury, and a little bit about some of that. But I want to talk about an, uh, an a piece that was done on BerryFlow, Flow, talking about the market is ripe for a new BlackBerry tablet. I found this to be a really kind of offshoot piece that we that uh, Matt did. And really, he's he makes a kind of interesting comparison between the wearables market, the companion device market, and parlays that to a, a BlackBerry tablet conversation. Now, we already know BlackBerry has a tablet, right? This Android-powered Secu tablet, Samsung Tab 10, that's running. Uh, you know all of this encryption technology and things like that from SecuSmart, but that thing costs you know twenty five hundred bucks. And even John Chen said, you know, uh, we're well, really only the German government is using this right now. I'd love more to use it. In terms of a companion, five
3: hundred. I'm sure he would.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. So it's rather interesting that the playbook maybe not as like you know the market is super super ready for a, another tablet from BlackBerry, but the idea of the playbook back in 2011 being a companion to your BlackBerry smartphone plays more into the market of today than it did maybe 5 years ago, right? Kind of interesting really that a device that was kind of, you know, not fully functional is now what a lot of people are spending 2 or 300 bucks on like an Apple Watch or, you know, an LG Urban or whatever the case may be, or even a Fitbit where they spend 150 bucks and it does kind of the bare essentials. These types of companion devices may be more prevalent in the future. Do you guys think that BlackBerry has any kind of place to be building a tablet? I mean, look, I'm not saying that they need to go all out and and build, like, the best tablet ever, right? But if they could build a budget tablet using some of their partnerships, I do think people would buy it, especially if you, one, leverage it to the enterprise, and two, have some services attached, like something like maybe BlackBerry Blend, hello, right? What do you guys think in terms of a tablet from BlackBerry? Would you like to see another? (sighs) The the tablet
1: market has <laughs> been in decline. Um, the PC market's in decline. Laptop market has been like what? And the only people actually really making any money is like, I mean, even Apple. Like, their tablets. There's just in decline, and people don't buy them as frequently as they buy a phone. So I, it's definitely not a growth market. Normally, you'd want to jump into a market that's that's growth and tablet market is in decline so uh, do I think they should do it personally no because it doesn't really make much sense and all they'd be throwing on there is Android and yes great uh, Android N or yeah Android N, or even if they made like a Chromebook kind of tablet thing and that could run Android apps like all that's great but i I personally I just don't think it makes any sense for them they're not a hardware company they shouldn't be focusing on hardware even though they are business sense and they could have an enterprise tablet. Play, you know,
0: it's it's interesting. In in Matt's article, he talks about enterprise devices a lot. He talks about using BlackBerry Ten, the assets already invested, and using it to you know float something like Chrome OS. So you've got the kind of backbone of BB Ten, some of those apps like Blend, and then you've got the experience of you know full fledged Android. He also talks a little bit about the separation of business and play. You know, whereas. There is an Android for Workspace that you can get on your device, but you're still going to get the notifications, and sometimes it can be a lot for you to personally manage. Having a business-dedicated device that can act as a companion to your main phone can help segment some of those notifications and allow a little bit more organization and segmentation. Again, really an enterprise play. It kind of goes back to the conversation Blaze had earlier about, like, you know, why don't you just do things for fan service, right? Mm. If, if your hardware business is profitable, then you can start exploring in venues like this I think a tablet from BlackBerry, a secure tablet, goes against the iPads, the Windows tablets, and the Surfaces out there, and it's another alternative. I don't think they need to necessarily be going into a market that's growing, but carving their fair share is, is I think, something... It's almost like you know, marking your territory, so to speak, right? Having something to do that in the enterprise space as a tablet from BlackBerry, be it running secure Android, be it you know, just BlackBerry's licensed version of Android running on someone else's hardware... However, they want to slice the bread and make the money, I think there is some value to be had there. But so I,
3: I think in the enterprise space, it may make a little bit more sense, but just to be brutally honest, in the consumer market, they have no damn business building a yeah. Not a single thing. The market will bury it no matter what. And, and realistically, too,
1: in the enterprise space, the only way I can see it being useful would be for salesmen, for salespeople to go out and use it for selling and like great if you could get a more affordable – because I, I, there are a lot of companies that go out and they'll buy iPads, and iPads are expensive to be right. that one thing to, for selling and everything. But um, internally, like what, what is a tablet
0: good for? It's an oversized so, so, phone. Me, great example, right? I got my AC repaired the other day. The guy comes in with the tablet. Yeah. He's taking pictures. He's pulling up the tutorials for how to repair it right on the tablet. I mean, it's better than a phone. He can actually read and see without having to look at this tiny little phone or even a large phone, Right. The tablet allows him to deliver faster service. So as an additive, it's good. Another friend of mine works in the merchandising industry. He's going to different stores, taking pictures, resetting uh, different aisles and services, and he uses his tablet to take pictures. It's wi- Wi-Fi connected. It's LG, uh, excuse me, LTE enabled, and he's uploading all his images right there on the business tablet. Why? Because, one, they don't want to buy a phone, which is going to get – battered, bruised and broken. The tablet enhances their ability to go through the application, viewability. And as well, it works for global positioning so that they can track where the their assets are in the field as they're working. But
3: do, do you want do you want all of that on your phone, you know? Here's here's my encounter I don't know, I guess you could call it an argument. Why not just build out some very specific applications on the software side and make it adaptable to every tablet out there such as like BlackBerry yeah. has already been doing. Yes, like, that, absolutely. Why yeah, not do I, that? Because that way you capture, you can't lose really in that regard because at the end of the day everybody's still using your back end systems. you adapt it to pretty much every operating system whether it be Windows, whether it be Android and it really doesn't matter whose device you're running it on as long as they're running whatever software is required. That, right? that, that's I absolutely
0: that's think Matt, that's points in his article as well. He's like, let the tablet be a BB10 tablet that can just talk to a Windows 10 device, computer, whichever, and you still get some of those services. I definitely think it would need to be ubiquitous if they were to do anything at all. But let's close with this podcast, guys. I want to get talking more about the three devices and these code names. We'll go hit that up in our after show. You can definitely check out CrackBerry for any of the articles that we talked about here in this podcast. And as well, you can check out Barry Floodic- Hit the topic list as well, uh, gentlemen. Are you guys ready to hit this after show? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Say goodbye. Thanks for watching, everybody. Bye. 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 Ladies, <laughs> gated